Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Dream Big Podcast with Bob Goff and friends. I am Scott Schimmel and I'm here in a very special week. It's book launch week with Bob Goff. Hey everybody, I hope you're having a great week and it is book launch week. It's crazy what happens. You work and work and work and run this thing through spell check a thousand times and then uh, all of a sudden it's birth. So Dream Big, the book is out and I really hope you guys enjoy it. Tell us about the origin of it. Obviously, we've been doing the Dream Big framework for a few years now, but what led you to write the book? Yeah, we've been talking about ambitions, and each of the people, we've had dozens and dozens of guests on, and each of them had this thing in common with all of you listening, which is they had an ambition. And for some people, it was something that there was it fell together to achieve, and still others, they had a number of setbacks along the way. One of the things that they had to do in common is to just keep their eye on why they started and remember that. And so that's the dream break framework that we've been talking about. Know what your ambitions are, know what, what you want, why you want it, what you're going to do about it. And uh, this week we get to talk to my friend Rory. And uh, he's going to be a guy that uh, I think uh, epitomizes the idea of having some beautiful ambitions, maybe sharing that ambition with someone else and having some significant setbacks as well. If you know uh, his story, uh, this will be one to really tune into. So listen up, folks, as uh, Bob Goff talks with Rory Feek. Hey, Rory, thank you so much for making time to jump in. It's so good to see you. Wonderful to see you, Bob. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. I was trying to think back of our friendship and where we met, and then we've uh, crisscrossed paths quite a few times. Can you remember back when was the first time we connected? Oh, you know, there's a lot of people in my life, I'm sure yours too, that I, you know, we can't really recall the moment our lives, our lives crossed, but yours is, you know, I know exactly where you were you sh when you showed up in my life and my wife's life. We were reading your book together. Um, I was driving, this is before I met you, but I was driving and Joey was reading the book and we were headed to a Bible study one night and we were reading about Randy. Oh. And I mean, we stopped the car and cried together. It was amazing. Oh. Fast forward some time later and my wife was sick. She had stage four cancer and um, she was having a very difficult time and she was reading your book again. And I came in on our anniversary about four years ago, almost exactly four years ago and she was laying in bed laughing so hard she couldn't stop it. No. Laughing uncontrollably. And she was reading to me this section, your short time as a waiter. <laughs> your, your reach and your extension and the sound effects and the whole thing. And she just was like, I love Bob. I love Bob. Well, during that time, Joey and I, for some reason, we had had a new baby and we had started filming our lives and capturing them. And we didn't really know why. But that was one of those moments when I walked in, I also had my camera. So I captured her laughing and oh. reading your book. And um, after she passed away about a year later or something, that became a documentary that a lot of people saw. Mm. And you were in our movie. You were in our lives. Mm. Finally, one day you emailed me and said, people say we need to meet. And you invited me to an event you had in Nashville. I remember. Yeah, that was good. We were doing a dream big gathering. And uh, that became the, that was the beginning of a, a friendship that's spanned a number of years. I think the last time we were in the same place together, there was the FFA 
had taken over is the the Colts Stadium. It yeah, was, in Indianapolis. Yeah, it was the Colts Stadium, and I have never seen so much blue corduroy. There was fifty five thousand FFA members, and for a guy, I was sure the the only guy that hadn't milked a cow or something. Um, but it was really beautiful. I, one of the highlights I, I isn't seeing a big room. It was seeing a friend. And I think that's the way it is for all of us. We can find these safe places and friendships. And you've been a friend to just so many people. To tell us a little bit about your life. As some people uh, are, are aware of the arc of your life and know of uh, the, the story, but tell us a little bit behind your story because you've experienced many of these things, ambitions, setbacks, you know, a resiliency, uh, Indy, a beautiful daughter. Talk to us. Well, I um, I live an hour south of Nashville. I grew up uh, with a father who wanted to be a country singer and never got to. And so I carried that with me and found my way to Nashville and became a songwriter. One of the reasons is I'm such a fan and a lover of stories and country music has great stories. And so I, in time, I became successful. I was a single father of two little girls. They moved When I moved here, I think they were about six and eight years old. And I, after a few years, I found some success as a songwriter and I started writing some really good songs that people might recognize. And, um, but I was pretty empty inside, pretty lonely, pretty, uh, I was having the biggest success. My dreams were coming true. And yet I was absolutely unfulfilled, even worse than before. And at that time, I had been I'd been trying for a while to figure out how to turn my life over, how to how to allow God or bring God or welcome God, whatever it was. It just didn't it didn't happen the way that I thought it would happen. It happened a little differently. But I finally opened up my hands and the last little bit of my finger. I mean, I guess I'm still opening them, but he started working on my character and my life. And he showed me, one of the first things that he showed me was, if I was ever gonna have a chance to meet an extraordinary woman, I was gonna have to be a really good man. And that was a pretty good disconnect before then. And so I started working on myself while he was working on me. And I started to realize that, you know, the only thing better than writing a song with a character inside of the song that does something amazing that you look up to is, what if you actually could be that person? And so I started working, trying to be a better man. And instead of uh, writing about a great story, trying to figure out how to live one. And pretty soon my wife, Joey, came into my life. We got married when my girls were uh, about 13 and 15. And uh, we live in an old farmhouse. It was really run down. I've been here 20 years now, but for some reason, she's from Indiana. And she just recognized the potential in me and in this old house and this life. Uh, jumped into it and, and she changed everything. She changed everything. Boy, I'm just pausing again on the importance of finding somebody that you can trust. Like you're in a... a big room full of people, you walked in and I immediately felt welcome in a large space because of one friend. And Joey walked into your life and the power of just having a friend to go on this adventure with. And it just seems like it just changed everything. It does, especially when God brings people into at least my life when 
They're, they have they have some skills you don't have. They have some things that you need to learn and you get to watch them and how they live their life. And, and Joey was that way. And so in time, you know, we were married for five years, lived on this farm and my wife was an aspiring singer. It never happened for her. So she kind of gave up on her dream. Her and my sister opened a little country diner a mile from the farmhouse here. And Joey thought, okay, well, maybe it's not meant to be. And she started waiting tables every day. And about the time that she gave it up and didn't need it anymore, God gave it to her. And oh. he, he, he opened this door for, I threw a friend of a friend in a situation I just didn't even see coming. And they recommended that Joey and I try out for a television show that was going to be going on in Nashville called Can You Duet? And they were looking for America's next great country duo. And the funny thing was, is Joey and I didn't have a television and we didn't really want to be on one. And by then I was 38 years old and wore nothing but overalls. And though my wife was very beautiful, I had seen enough of those shows in the past to realize I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be like a sacrificial <laughs> lamb. I'm going to be so humiliated. Yes. But I thought, well, maybe the world will discover my pretty bride's voice and, and her her as a person so we tried out for the show went from 5,000 couples down to the finals and got a record deal and changed so our life good. traveled all over the country and sold lots of records and made music videos and played the Grand Ole Opry a hundred times all those things that I just didn't see coming in a million years I just didn't see it coming well, I'm telling you, if you're listening to this podcast and you're driving, find a wide spot in the road to just reflect on a time where you felt like you had an ambition and it felt like it was so far away. Uh, it's a single dad. It's two little girls. It's longing for relationship. And then the people that you meet have needs. And one of the things that I've noticed about you, Rory, is that you've taken a genuine interest in my life and you took a genuine interest in your wife's life. And that's sometimes how we make our ambitions come true. I think a lot of your ambition, as I've experienced you, is finding joy in helping other people find their ambitions. Well, I, I have, but that's taken me a while to get there. Joey was one of the reasons that I turned that corner is when I met her, I was clearly praying for a, for a woman that could come along who might be a nurse or a school teacher. Something that's not in the music industry because the industry is very hard. And instead, God gave me a woman with a dream similar to mine. And that's a very terrible thing for an insecure man. Very, yeah. very hard. What was hardest about it? I didn't really want to. I didn't really. I was afraid to be with Joey for one reason is I just felt like, you know, she's going to go on and leave me and she's going to find somebody more handsome. Success is going to sweep her up and she's going to go away. And music is going to be the way that's going to, instead of having my dreams come true, it's going to devastate me again. But anyway, God, you know, I, I trust him. And not only we get married, five years later, he opens the door and he says, not only am I going to put a spotlight on her, but you're going to stand next to her. And I thought, oh no, this is not good. <laughs> but the truth was that was a moment where God was saying, the only way that this can work is not only are you going to have to let your wife follow her dreams, you actually got to help her. Yeah, And that's a big deal. Not only like I, that's a big terrifying thing. 
And for some reason, once I decided to just trust him, trust her, my whole life exploded. He took me on a journey that I couldn't have taken myself on in a million years. And I'm still on it. He not only opened the door for the world to discover what a beautiful person and singer she is, but he gave me a new career and an opportunity to, to share stories and songs on a platform, which is a stage rather than uh, an empty room writing songs you know, with a co-writer. And then ultimately, if you know our story or for the folks who do, <clears throat> we end up having um, a very good music career. And about the time that it couldn't have got any better, my wife, she was an amazing person, but she had one serious flaw. Okay, come I mean, she on. trusted God. I wouldn't even say it's a flaw. She had one human quality. She was almost superhuman because she was so special. But from the moment I met her, she was never going to have a baby. No matter what happened, she was not going to have a baby. And that was the quickest way to have an argument. Like, yeah. I think it was because her mother wanted to be a singer and her mother gave up everything to raise five kids. I think it's because she wanted to be Dolly Parton and she knew you can't be a great mother and chase your dreams at the same time. So anyway, we never really talked about it, but I had this weird feeling that that might be the thing God wants most from her. And I just, I was just, it was so unusual for her to hold something so strongly for him. So about 10 years into our marriage, she came to me one day and said, you know, God has blessed me so much, us so much, beyond our wildest imaginations with a, a wonderful marriage and life and farm and career. I can't hold this from him anymore. Well, Oh, By then, I, I'm 46 or 47 years old. I'm kind of too old to have more children, but I realized, man, if he could turn her heart like that, I just got to go along for the ride and see what happens. Yeah. She gets pregnant and goes from not wanting to have a baby to deciding she's going to have one the old fashioned way with a midwife here at the farm, no medicine, have it at home. Oh, my God. And gosh. we did. And and she, uh, of course, as God would have it, her greatest fear in that moment, she knew this is what she was born to do and be. Oh, man. And on top, guys... of it, on top of it, when the baby's born in the house right here at the farm, we, we, come, we realized, because we hadn't even had a single doctor's appointment, that God gave us a, not only a special one, but a special one, special one. And Indy had Down syndrome. And we didn't know that. But it didn't really matter. It didn't matter to my wife at all. But it was clear that, that that doesn't happen by accident. He didn't just accidentally give us that little one. He gave us the one we needed, the one yeah. that that he felt like was right for us. And she fell in love that day. And although she passed away from cancer right after Indiana turned two, her greatest by far joy was being a mother by yeah. far. And so Joey passed away. She got cancer really about uh, three or four months after Indy was born. She was diagnosed and she passed away a year and a half later. And then that's been since the spring of 2016. So Indiana is now six years old. Yeah. We live on, we live on a farm an hour South of Nashville, the same old farmhouse. And um, I'm trying to be 
this time around, you know, I'm as when my wife, when we realized that uh, probably this was not going to end the way that we wanted it to, my sweet bride was so upset because, you know, she's like, she didn't want me to have to be a single father again. Yeah. And I just, like, you could be upset about a lot of things. Yeah. But just that you'd be upset about that. And I remember telling her, and I still feel that way. I'm perfect. I already know how. He knew. And so I am back to being a single father again. But in a lot of ways, I, I get to redo and be a better father than I was before. And he's also, you know, by the time Joey passed away and publicly a lot of people followed, it turned out that in my in my estimation, we call ourselves rurally famous. If you live on a farm and you're in the Midwest, we're probably high on your list of people you like. But if you're from somewhere else, you might never have heard of us. Yeah. We were just famous enough so that when Joey went through her battle and her struggle, millions and millions of people followed her and our story and watched mm. how strong and faithful and brave all the way to the very end. And somehow, Bob, people are still here paying attention and, and I'm still trying to live a good story, but mostly in mm. awe of the one he gave me because I didn't see any of it coming. Yeah. Boy, I'm, I'm one of those persons. If uh, you're listening, but Rory and I are here. <laughs> every time you start crying, I start crying. <laughs> you're slaying me, buddy. Um, one of the things that I think people can relate to, I can relate to, listeners can relate to, is having an ambition, having a desire, having uh, uh, been surprised by grace, surprised by some gift in your life, and then having that gift replaced with a different gift. It's not that the gift was taken away, although you don't have uh, Joey, uh, you have Indy, and you have these beautiful memories. And you are in the middle where you would think the arc of this story is, and then almost roll the credits. This is now the setup to, <laughs> that's the crazy part. I'm exhausted thinking this is just the beginning of the rest of the good part. You've experienced so much good and so much of God's touch in your life, but to think that you uh, that this is the setup for what's next. Uh, tell us what you're dreaming about now. Tell us the things that you're doing. Where's God taking you? What are you hoping for? I know you're touching lots of lives with the flogs that you're getting out. Explain what a flog is. Well, our friend Miles Adcox that I met you, I met through you the very first day I met you, you introduced me to, to Miles at Don Miller's house. Miles has become a good friend to me also. And I, I went to this, uh, you've done some of these dream big frame uh, retreats out there. Um, through him and through onsite, I, I last year I went in and did one of their intensive things. And I, it had been three years since my wife had passed away and I was doing well and I was very grateful and blessed, but I didn't know where I was going. In particular, I was so in awe of the story. I couldn't imagine, Bob, there could be an in then 
Instead, it's like, let's just roll these credits. I've never yeah. heard of a story like this. Like, yes, I can only mess this up from here. <laughs> and uh, when I was there, one thing that I didn't know when I went to onsite, uh, what I needed, but what I needed, one of the things was permission to keep dreaming. Because early when Joey, when we tried out for that TV show and those things were happening, I was against it. I did it against my better judgment. And somehow God took that and created a platform and opportunity that neither of us ever saw. And so when Joey passed away, there was a part of me that had a lot of shame and guilt over the fact that here's this spotlight left upon me that I didn't earn or that I didn't even want. And I, I threw onsite, uh, they kind of helped me turn that corner to say, it's okay. You know, she, she's, it's, it's, it, that was an incredible thing in its, in its own right, that story and how that happened. But it gave me the opportunity to say, where are you going? Now that he has you here, he's brought you here with these unique gifts in this moment. Where are you? And that was one thing that I felt really clear about was I had, I had met my wife as a songwriter and we met in the Bluebird Cafe originally. I was in the round singing a song and my wife literally in that moment went, you're the one I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Oh my God. Literally. And that was the first thing she told me. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't usually have beautiful women telling me things like that. Yeah. And so that was such an unusual thing. And it, it was a way that I knew that God was there. And so at Onsite, one of the things that became clear that came out that I didn't see happening in a million years was this idea. What if in that moment when that girl saw you and, and she, she only knew this nudging from God that said, he's the one, he's the one that you're going to spend your life with and I have plans for. And she knew that and she told me and I finally came alongside and figured it out too. But as, as we went through this journey and he put us together and he created something much bigger than my songwriting career before I met Joey, or even if she would have had her own career without me, it turns out that from onside, this idea came to be, which was, what if in that moment he was saying, I have plans for him, but I, I can't get him from that bar stool at the Bluebird to the place I need him to be, to be fully him without you. Yeah. And so now I feel like, flog, when you mentioned a flog, I'm here in my milk house. They used to milk cows in here. I have one, two, three, four head catches. Uh, <laughs> they used to hold cows. And now... I, uh, I tell, I share, I capture stories, and I try to be an encouragement to others just by capturing our life, trying to make sense of it and share it with other people. So I, I make these kind of daily vlogs, which is like a video, video log, a vlog, but on a farm. So I call them vlog. A vlog. Hey, I was just wondering if you're listening, think of someone that God has already dropped in your path instead of looking for that other person who's got already brought into your path to speak some words of truth, to talk about your future, to start seeing a little of your destiny in, 
Um, and then also, who can you uh, be that for? Uh, what is it? Uh, one of the favorite sayings that Miles Adcox out at Onsite has is to say the unsaid. Uh, what if Joey hadn't spoken up? What if she felt this thing and hadn't spoken those words? And so if there's something you have unsaid to somebody, boy, don't make a note, make a call, send a text, send a smoke signal, whatever it takes, run over, don't be creepy, get a restraining order, but get over to get it said. And to find the courage, uh, Joey summoned that, and it puts you on a new trajectory. And I just think what's going to happen, Rory, is that you've touched my life and countless other lives uh, with your life. And and I've uh, gotten to know your family. We've met at different places along the way, and I am bedazzled by what has come from you being a guy just obedient and listening to what's going on. Tell us what's next for you. What do you see in the the coming months and year ahead? Uh, and if, let me just pause too, and we've mentioned on-site a couple times. It's a, it's a place a couple of us well, actually, more than a couple, probably a couple tens of thousands of people have gone to. It's out in Tennessee, and there's a place where you can just go for counseling. I went resistantly. Uh, uh, sweet, sweet Maria had gone, and she said I needed to go. And, and Don Miller had gone. He said I needed to go. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So just, just leave me alone. I'll just go. Let the healing begin. And uh, and uh, Miles and I had become buddies. Uh, by the end of that and have gotten into all kinds of mischief since then. So if you need some help, uh, on-site isn't the only place, but find a place where you can sort out some stuff in your life, find some safe people. What's next for you, Rory, as we're tracking? Because I know there's a lot of people that are going to want to be tracking your flog and what's happening next in your life. Well, I don't, I couldn't tell you what's happening next. I'm, I'm involved. Um, I, I'm, as I mentioned before, I was at FFA with Bob in October because I, I'm the head of creative for a television network, which is a whole other thing. Not, not only did I not want to, we didn't have a TV, nor did I want to be on a TV or my wife and I, now I'm the head of it, of all the creative <laughs> for a TV network making shows. And so I have my, a company, me and some buddies work and uh, our goal is we, we always say we, we want to create content with a conscience, which means it's not enough to have a lot of viewers and a lot of people watching. Lots of people watch things that aren't good and don't make their lives any better. What if we can make some things that could impact some lives, that could lift up some people and tell some stories? So yeah. one of my goals, I, I think you and I may mention this years ago, I saw someone, and you do this very well, Bob, I've seen from the very beginning, you've been an inspiration to me and to so many people for lots of reasons. But you, you don't, I don't even know if you know you do this, but I saw an interview with Keenan Ivory Wayans, I mean, 15 or 20 years ago when In Living Color was happening. And it was the biggest show on TV at the time. And I don't know if it was Arsenio Hall or someone was interviewing him and they said, Keenan, <clears throat> this is your moment. Like you've been working your whole life, you're in the spotlight. Then you invite your brother, he's on the show. Now your sister's on the show. And now you got another like little brother. Like, what are you doing? This is your moment. He said, our mother always told us, if you ever have a moment in the spotlight, don't just stand there, pull someone else in. Oh, so good. So my future, 
I'm just going to pull people in the spotlight. Yeah, you are. I'm going to try, you know, and I, I feel like you do a really good job of that, which is somehow God has opened a door and a platform for you that you're just helping build other platforms and encourage other people. And I just think it's amazing. And each person that's listening, really, that there, each of us has a group of people that we're impacting and just do the best that you can, kind of till the field you've got um, to take care of the people, make the call, check in. I've stopped assuming that my friends are doing okay. And I tell them, you know, I know this sounds kind of weird, but I just really, really like no BS. Like, let's just, can we talk about what's really going on? Uh, just so I don't want to find out that something was going on and they just didn't have somebody to talk to. And that requires vulnerability for me to just say, yeah. hey, this is what's really going on with me. I'm feeling kind of lonely. I'm feeling kind of low. And everybody thinks like the balloon guy, the happy, and, and indeed I'm, I've got a lot of joy, but also I hit some uh, kind of slippery parts of the road and say, wow, man, I'm just confused. I'm baffled. I'm feeling a little low about the things that are going on around me. If we can just have those kinds of authentic relationships and, and conversations, I think sitting up in a skybox uh, at Colt Stadium, we just had some time to have an authentic conversation. And I just want that to continue to be normative. So if you're listening, uh, find that wide spot in the road. Think of the call you make. Uh, thank God for the opportunities that have already come in your, come your way. And to say, what are we going to do next? Uh, you're writing a kid's book too, aren't you? I have a children's book that comes out. Uh, well, it comes out in a week or two. It comes out come on the on. 16th. Yeah, it's Get pretty amazing. I'm, I'm really, What's really the excited. Title? It's called The Day God Made You. Oh. And it came from my little one, Indiana. I always say she has uh, she has little almond-shaped uh, eyes. Her eyes are different than our eyes, than her sister's eyes. They're prettier to me, but that's where it came from. It was she's she's learned to read it sort of. She knows the opening says the shape of your eyes, the color of your hair, the way that you laugh, and the size shoes you wear. Um, God knew all these things the day He made you, oh. and it's it's a really special reminder that we're all a little bit different, good, bad, easy, hard, but we're not accidents. And he knew all this. And even today, I think it's kind of special to have that little book coming out because although it's for kiddos, the truth is it's a crazy time right now. I don't even watch the news. I don't, I, I don't, I try not to look outside of my community too much. I want to make a difference here, but it doesn't take much looking to realize these are unusual times. And this little book kind of reminds me, he knew it, you yeah. know, even this, this too, he knew we were going to run around with masks on and, and have a little difficult time. So even though these things are catching us by surprise, they don't catch him by surprise. And there's something comforting in that. Yeah. Sometimes um, borrowing from this idea of writing books, um, sometimes you think it's a period and it's actually a comma. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, wow, there's more. And I just don't want to punctuate the work God's doing in real time to say, this must be a page break here. To say, actually, no, there's more sentences. There's more beautiful paragraphs. Maybe retitling the chapters in our life. Uh, not being so quick to say that this was, if you felt rejection, that you'd actually retitle that release later 
if you mm -hmm. felt like I'm out, it might be better titled I'm back. And so to find yeah. the better titles for the things that are happening. And I just love that you're continuing to live your stories, tell your stories. Uh, Rory, you've got one of these voices. I'm sure you've heard it a thousand times. I could just listen to you talk all day long. That's why I just shut up and just oh, watch so you to talk and cry. And, and thank you for, so much for uh, not only spending a little bit of time uh, with a friend, but but also to for living an authentic life and to letting us have a peek into your life and what's to come. And I think God's got his wind at your back and uh, that little schoolhouse you have on yeah. the property. And I want to come when Indy graduates. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. I would love it. I would so love I it. That's uh, my little one now. He, as Bob mentioned, uh, my wife had plans to homeschool Indiana. And of course, that didn't get to happen. But instead, something else amazing happened when she passed away. So many people sent cards and letters because they've been following our story that we spread them out on a table. And inside of them was, you know, some people sent cash or checks. And I had had this idea, well, if we can't, my wife can't homeschool her, what if we built a school at home? And so I thought, what if we build something that looks like a hundred-year-old one-room schoolhouse and we we made plans to do it, and it cost a lot of money to build, and it cost exactly how much everybody sent when she passed away. And it's across the driveway from here, and it's so pretty. Today's the very first day I got a video from the teacher she sent to me. I was in town, and Indy had her backpack on, and she walked home, which is, you know, it's a three-minute walk to the farmhouse. <laughs> That's but so she awesome. walked home from school by herself today, and I thought, and in the cemetery, we have a cemetery across the field where my wife is buried, and I thought, you know, that's this is about as as beautiful as hard can be, and I, and I I'm just so thankful, you know. If it must, if it can't be what we wanted it to be, it it is just as sweet as it could be outside of that. And that's, that's a real gift. I, I say quite often, you know, God is doing something when, uh, when these kind of things happen to you and you, you still somehow wake up every day pinching yourself because you like, you, you're just so doggone lucky. And I think it's because like you mentioned, grace, I just wanted a little bit of a good story, Bob. Yeah. I just wanted a little bit. And he could stop writing today and I would be th I would be so thankful to have been part of this. And um I'm I'm just tickled, you know, to just maybe it's just getting started where he's starting uh to open the door so that I understand the potential, the potential here, the potential in others the potential in, in not only our own dreams, but helping other people have their dreams, which is, I love that you're doing this. Thank you for doing it. Boy, it's you're as amazing. beautiful as hard can be. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about that the rest of the day, buddy. Yeah. Rory, I love you. Love I love you. Family. Uh, thanks for sharing a little bit of time with us. And if you're listening and some of this stuff resonated with you, don't get distracted by jumping into the next thing. Can you pause for a moment, write down something that made sense, and then decide what you're going to do about it. 
uh, that's where it gets good. That's where it gets real. And moving from like the head to the heart and then from the heart out to the hands and the hands into the community. Love you, buddy. Thanks for I love you too. Thank you for having me. Well, Bob, uh, so much of your life, like Rory's, has been about helping others find their ambitions. I, I remember a, a conversation that was pivotal that I had with you uh, well over a decade ago. I was just sharing with you how people in my life were saying I was trying to bite off too much. I was trying to go after too much, that was, and it was distracting me. And we were having lunch, and I just was sharing that with you. And I think you just said something like, well, you know, Scott, some people are made to be sharpshooters and some people are made to be shotguns. Maybe you're a shotgun. And just a little tiny tweak of how I was thinking about my life changed really everything. And all of a sudden I felt like, man, I can actually dream the way I want to dream, not the way other people want to dream through me. And you've been doing that like Rory coming alongside folks to help them figure out what their big ambitions. What's the one thing that you want people to get? I hope that people will get in touch with this God-given wiring harness. Uh, and I thought of uh, somebody saying, yeah, you're just taking a shotgun approach as being kind of derogatory or kind of naysaying. And it's actually, no, that's awesome. You nailed it. I'm taking a shotgun approach. Um, but I know what BBs I have. I'm self-aware enough to know this is what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And I know which direction I'm firing. And then whichever like target uh, it hits, I'm really fine because I've given a lot of thought to those various ambitions. We've said a lot in the Dream Big podcast, this idea of go with your fast pony, just find one that a BB hits <laughs> and go with it. And it isn't just a, a lack of intentionality. In, in fact, it's the opposite. It's an incredible amount of intentionality to say, here are five things all tied for first. Like, give me an opportunity. Let's go with one. Yeah. Yeah. What, one thing that stuck out in your conversation with Rory, you, you said, say what needs to be said to the people in your life. And a lot of times, obviously, that context is uh, kind of address conflict. But I, I was taking that a different way. Say what needs to be said to the people in your life in terms of giving them encouragement, hope, speaking life into them. And so maybe this week, as you're listening, one thing you can consider, who around you do you have some hope for? Who around you has a dream inside them that might need someone like you to come alongside and encourage them? Who is that and what can you say? Yeah, and give some thought to this. One word from you, one phrase, well-placed, sincere, and a thought-provoking will change everything. They'll just, you and I, Scott, pounded so many Subway sandwiches over years. <laughs> and one of the things that I walked away, I wasn't like the teacher there. I walked away from these conversations having a keener focus on who God wants me to be. And so if you're listening to this podcast, if something that Rory has said has pinged you, then find a wide spot in the road and say, this is what I'm going to do about it, because that's where it gets good. Well, Bob, congrats on the book launch. You guys go get it, read it, sit down with a cup of coffee and an open heart and figure out what it is that your ambition's waiting to be and to be unleashed. So congrats, Bob. Thanks a million, you guys. Have a great week.